ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oki Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Oki Podcast. And on today's episode, I got another amazing guest. I'm so glad that we connected and she wanted to come on the show, get to know each other and get to know everything that she does. So she is a pro MMA fighter, a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, advocate for MMIW, a group fitness instructor, a mama three, tribal member, and she is the host of Enough is Enough podcast. And my guest today is Cola Shippentower. Yo, what is going on? I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much, Russell. This means a lot to me. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Thank you for, you know, reaching back and, you know, uh, setting up a time. I know you're busy, you know, but man, I'm so stoked that you wanted to come on the show and man, it's, it's awesome. It's really awesome to finally meet you um, and just get to know you and talk with you and, you know, just have a really great conversation. Me too. Me too. So, Cola, for the listeners, um, could you tell, like, where you're from, where you grew up, you know, what was that like, and then what kind of all just led into everything you're doing now? And Well, my name is Cola Shippentower Thompson. Um, My Indian name is Tamhaya. I am a tribal member of the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation, located out here on the Umatilla Reservation in eastern Oregon. Uh, Born and raised here. I did leave a little bit for high school, but then came back. Um, And I guess that kind of kicks right off into how I even started getting into all the things that I'm into now. Um, I really struggled with my self-esteem and confidence at 18 years old. I dove heavily into alcoholism, uh, was struggling really, really hard there, had experienced um, domestic violence for the first time, and it got really, really hard, and had eventually made the decision to take on some self-defense training, which very quickly led to the competitive level. I had actually uh, told my parents that I wouldn't compete in it and made a promise to my dad that I wouldn't, and went behind his back end up trying it out and after my first fight I was like yo this is dope this is where I need to be I love this energy I love everything about it trained in MMA for about four years before I decided to actually take on jiu-jitsu really seriously and more of a traditional aspect um, my coach Jeremy Harrington who is out of Siri BJJ in Tri-Cities uh, had started a gym locally in my hometown of Pendleton and was trying so hard to convince me like, girl, you need to get in a gi, you need to try this out. And I was so opposed to it. I was like, I don't want to wear pajamas while I'm rolling. I don't want to do any of that. So no, I'm not doing it. And literally they had to force me into a gi and said, you need to try this. Let's get you um, competing on the weekends and tournaments. Let's just, let's just keep, get this going. See how, how we can roll with this. And I stuck with it. And, you know, now I'm a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Gustavo Prius out of Siri BJJ and Tri-Cities. And, you know, with the MMA and jujitsu work and um, finally getting sober, I, this year actually marks my seventh year of sobriety in September. So um, the combination of all that and just realizing some of the injustices that Indigenous people are facing today and a huge one that I advocate for is MMIR, which is Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relations. Um, you know, it hit me personally, like I have a lot of um, family members who went missing and never made it back home. So, you know, I was taking these two passions that I have, which was helping 
um, our indigenous people and advocating for our women and then taking MMA and kind of combining it. I was like, what can I do with this? Like this is really cool being able to fight and travel all over the country and do all these things. But I was like, there's gotta be more to it. Like creators gotta have a different plan. So uh, we started thinking law enforcement. So I have a few mentors in law enforcement. So they were like, you know what? You tie these two things together, become a detective, like come work for your tribe, work for your people. And so I started to really pursue that. And, you know, um, with the, the troubles that I was facing as an 18 year old, I made some um, not so good decisions. You know, we all have our, our stories, but, you know, uh, I had a lot of people tell me, you know, you provide this different perspective because you've essentially been on both sides of the tracks and you can really reach the people here because they're your people, it's your community, but also, you know, uh, what it means to be able to be a part of the solution. So um, I started really putting those two things together and, you know, it's been a really long journey. So I've kind of had some other personal goals that I wanted to reach. So I started doing the group fitness training thing. So I am a turn up instructor, which is essentially dance fitness. Um, anyone can YouTube it, look it up on Instagram, uh, turn up with Tansy. It's an amazing movement. It's more than just dance fitness. It's really exciting. And so I teach that. I also teach cycling. Um, and on top of all of that, I've had three kids. I have three boys. So I've got a four-year-old, eight-year-old, and 11-year-old. They keep me on my toes, but uh, taking all the things that I've, you know, accumulated on my resume, it's because of them. They keep me disciplined. They keep me motivated. And I've always told myself, you know, I don't want my boys to be getting into sports and looking at the TV or magazines for people to look up to when they can have something right here in their own home. Like sometimes they might catch me at 5 a.m. in the morning putting a workout or they might catch me late at night working on a podcast that I might be editing or they get excited about some of the work that I do and they want to be involved as well, which is super important for me just being right here and being an example for them. So uh, that's kind of how I got led to all these different things. And, you know, I keep I keep my plate full. I keep my plate full. So don't don't really ever get too hungry. But, you know, I still like I, I feel like I'm I'm still adding things here and there. So that's overall like how I've gotten started in this work. Yeah, you, you have a lot of things going on. And that's really great that um, you know, I I never like would think of that like uh being a role model. I mean, like like parents they want to be a role model, but like you like you just said, like your kids, like, you know, if they wanna do any kind of sports, you know, it's it's really tough to try to relate to these athletes that are already like big time, but yet, you know, you're an athlete, you know, and you do all these things, you know, and you're right there and you're showing them like, yo, like check me out. Like, you know, so I think that's like a really, you know, great thing that you're doing, you know, even at home, you know, with your boys. So thank you. Thank you. I really do enjoy it. And just so the listeners know, my boys are here at home. It's super hot in Eastern Oregon right now. It, as soon as it hits 80s, the boys are like, let's fill up the pool. Let's get to it. So if you hear any laughing or playing in the background or possibly fighting, it's them. They're they're already outside with their dad. They're having a good time. So you'll probably hear them from time to time. <laughs> uh, does it get, so it gets hot over there? Eastern Oregon, we experience every season. So we do have like the traditional summer, fall, winter, spring. But I feel like because of the pandemic, everything is out of whack right now. So even our seasons are like, what are we doing? Because what was like a week ago, we had hail and we had mm -hmm. snow. And then the next day it was super hot. And everybody was like, yes, we're going to start going swimming. We're going to start hitting the water, doing all these things. And so it's fluctuating right now, which our winter was even that way too. 
but Eastern Oregon right now, today, this minute, it's really hot outside. But if you check with me, like maybe this evening, it, it might change. So <laughs> that sounds like Oklahoma. <laughs> last week it was, man, like, was it a, was it the last week of April? I think it was snowing, which was so weird. And last week, like two days out of the week, it was like, it got really cold and it started like, um, it just started raining, but it was like uh, about 40 degrees out and the wind was like just blowing. So it made it really cold. And it was like, like, what the hell's going on? Like, what? (laughs) I felt like there was like a week that all over the country, all of a sudden everybody was like, it's cold again. It might snow. It is snowing. It's, it's a trip. I have friends all over the country. And so I was seeing different things on social media. Everybody was experiencing some weird weather. So I think I blame it on COVID COVID controlled the controls the weather too. Man, freaking COVID man. Well, it's getting better though. Like last year was crazy. Like, I don't know. It was, it's so unreal how it just shut down everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for us personally in our home, we saw it kind of as a blessing. It really got us to this point where we're at home and I was working out from home. I didn't take any days off. Like I didn't fall off at all. We have an entire home gym. I have a Peloton. And so I stayed on it. The only thing I was missing was rolling with people, having actual bodies to roll with. And so we were home the whole time. And my husband, who's in law enforcement, he's a fish and game officer. So he's usually out in the mountains on his own anyways. And he's a homebody. So he's like, everybody's living their life like how I live my life, like away from people. He, he doesn't he doesn't like it when it's too peopley outside. He's just like, send me to the mountains. Let me do my job and I'll come back home and just chill at home. That's what he loves the most. And so it was kind of nice because it got me and my boys who were all over the place all the time. So we were staying home with him and doing just family things and it was really really nice so we got closer like our our marriage was strengthening and our relationship with our boys was starting to be really really good and strong and overall as a family unit we were doing really good and it was fun for our boys to see just how they were responding because we'd be outside playing or outside lifting and stuff and so some of the neighborhood kids would we, we live in the projects so um it's a fun fact some people don't know about me but we live in the projects And it was cool to see our boys excited about seeing other Indian kids coming over to play with us because they were kind of that positive influence for these kids because some kids are either being raised by their grandparents or they're not seeing their parents all the time or they're seeing maybe drug addiction or alcoholism firsthand or they're still trying to figure out how they're going to eat that day, but they know that they can come to our house and be welcomed. And so our boys was like, this is really cool because we have all these friends and like we, we can just hang out and be good people and I'm like that's what we're doing in this life boys that's what we got to do we got to be kind to others we got to support each other especially in a time like this so at first it was a huge blessing and it was really positive I definitely don't take away from the seriousness of COVID or this virus Um, I mean definitely condolences and prayers to anyone else that's been affected negatively or impacted negatively by this but um, for us personally we haven't experienced that Um, we're blessed and we're very grateful that that hasn't been the case but, you know, uh, I've been really, really patient and been really optimistic this entire pandemic era. But I did reach, I'm going to be honest and completely transparent. <laughs> uh, I reached my my boiling point about 10 days ago. We wanted to take our boys to the movie theater. And, you know, we, on the reservation, we have a Wild Horse Casino, which is this huge hub for, 
for truck drivers. They come through. So we have people from all over the country coming to this one spot to gamble, spend their money, eat food, bowl, watch movies, all this stuff. And you get your employees in there that understand the amount of foot traffic that comes through there. But I was being followed around by one of the movie theater managers because he didn't like that I was wearing a face shield as opposed to a face mask. And he had the face mask in his hand and was like trying to hand it to me like, you need to put this on. I'm kind of like, no, thank you. I have my face mask. Thanks. And I'm thinking I'm going to be taking this off anyways to eat something or drink something. So I don't know why it's that big of an issue. And he pretty much hounded me. And I'm like, you're serious right now. He's like, oh, yes, we take we take this virus very seriously. And I'm kind of looking at him and part of me wanted to go real resi on him and just give it to him. Cause I was just, I've, I've reached that point. And I think a lot of people have, and it's totally human that some of us are just like, you know what, we're done right now. Um, but you know, I've had a hard time with the whole mask and everyone finally taking their health seriously when these are things that you should have been doing in the first place. I work in a gym where we had a special meeting where they wanted to tell us like, we need to make sure people are wiping down their machines before and after. And we need to make sure people are washing their hands and staying away from each other. And I felt like the only one in this group of like 20 people, I'm like, were we not doing that before? And was I the only one that was kind of following people saying, hey, wipe down your machines? I'm like, we got some of these girls doing these Instagram workouts and they want to use this machine in a funky way. I've had to tell like quite a few girls, you need to really wipe that down, not just because of COVID, but also some dude's sweaty butt was just right where your face was. So you might want to wipe that down. And I'm constantly telling people, wash your hands after you weightlift. Those weights are so gross generally so we should be thinking about these so it's kind of gotten to a point where I'm like we should be eating clean we should be moving and exercising regularly whether that just be for like a walk 20 minutes out of the day but it's kind of getting to a point where I'm like these are things that have been brought to light but I've kind of been like this is what we advocate for is health in our communities and wellness in our communities let's just push it make it a little bit let's normalize it outside of this this pandemic that was a little bit of a rant but you know Oh, it's a, uh, it's understandable. Yeah. Like a lot of, well, people still, I don't know. They're just kind of like on the fence about like getting their health right and everything, you know, and it's been told like, yeah, you know, if you're healthy and you get COVID, like you still get it possibly, but it won't have like that mass effect on you, you know, and like, uh, like, like if you have diabetes you know i know like a lot of people have diabetes or whatever and it's killed a lot of people if you're born with diabetes you know there's nothing you could do about that and you have to try to stay safe as much as you can you know mask up stay inside whatever continue to wash your hands don't touch your face you know be very cautious but if you're at a point where you do get diabetes just by the way of your eating habits or drinking soda all the time you know, and there's a way to reverse that. And I look at that like, like, like me, like I was one of those people that did get diabetes. Like, I'm just going to fucking say right now, <laughs> like, like I did, like I, man, when this pandemic started, I got furloughed and I gained so much fucking weight. Like, I'm not even joking. And I got up to like 407 and then I just didn't like. I thought about COVID, but I didn't take it like seriously. And then when I started seeing my family get it and passing away from it and they had health problems, you know, and I was like, 
it became like a thing of like, oh shit, you know, I need to, I needed to probably change my way of eating because I wasn't born with diabetes. You know, I got it from my lifestyle in like four months or something, but I mean, it was just sitting in here. I was sitting in here just playing video games and drinking soda and eating whatever, like getting DoorDash and Uber Eats. And like, I mean, it was just, and it's just a crazy thing, like how that happened. And so I really had to like, and I wasn't working. Like I was going to, you know, before that I was working, I was walking like 10 miles a day at work. When I, when we got furloughed, I didn't do anything like, <laughs> and so I was off work and I didn't go back to my job because it was at a casino. And I know how, God, I know how disgusting casinos can be, you know, like people do crazy things and it's just, it's really dirty. And so, you know, I quit there and I wasn't working. And then, man, like the reason that I knew it, I knew it was getting bigger, but I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. But I, you know, I applied for this job as a part-time job and I had to get a physical. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to work because I'm so gigantic like right now. And man, I did my physical and I weighed in at 407 and it was like, oh my God. And they had to take my blood pressure and I had really high blood pressure and it was like, fuck. So they were like, oh, it's like 160 or what was it like 170 or some shit like that. And they're like, okay, so just chill out, you know, for 15 minutes and we'll do it again. And it went down to like 160 and they're like, uh, well, we don't know if we should let you work because your blood pressure's too high. You might be diabetic. And I was like, oh my God, you know? So I was just sitting there. I was like, man, I was like, okay, you know, I got bills to pay. Like, I can't like be fucking around like this. Somehow they, they said like, oh, well, it's probably your mask you're wearing because I had to mask up and it's probably making you freak out, you know, because nobody's used to mask. So it's probably making you freak out. So they were like, we're going to allow you to work. We're going to allow you to do this. So just go, you know, and I started working dead of summer, sweat a whole lot and I changed my eating habits. And then I, but, you know, I ended up getting COVID. So I think like it didn't have the effect it did when I had it. And like when I got it, I was like, okay, well, it's do or die. Like my body's either going to fight it off or, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to die because there's nothing you could do about it. You know, uh, I guess, uh, I guess I'll just see what happens. And I got through it, you know, I got through it and I healed up. I think if I got this back then in June, I don't think I'd be here. I don't think I'd be here. I don't think like I'd survive it because I was, I can even, I can even get up and walk around the house. I'd get out of breath. I'm so glad. Like I had that physical and I had to look at myself and say, dude, you need to get it together. I understand like what you're talking about and being healthy is like, I mean, I'm not saying like being healthy, like all the time, like, but just changing like little habits. Don't, don't go for the soda, you know, just grab some water, you know, try to drink water every day at least a gallon, I believe it's just little things you could do, you know? It's so crazy. Cause you brought up so many good points and I think they're conversation pieces that we don't talk about enough. And obviously it's got to really suck for the people that do get this virus. And again, we've been blessed enough. We haven't had it in our household. And I really feel that in part to just being overall active. Um, I mean, my husband doesn't exercise on a regular basis, but he's still active. He's out in the mountains. He hunts. So during hunting season, he's in and out of his truck. He's walking the hills. He's doing all these things. And so 
maintaining an overall healthy lifestyle for your wellness is super duper important. But again, the people that are seeing the adverse side effects of this virus have been people that have underlying health conditions. And we've done our best to be super respectful of other people, wearing a mask, washing our hands, keeping distances, not giving people hugs. I'm a very huggy person, which really, this was tough for me. Um, Isolating me and then telling me I can't hug people when I see them has been really, really just difficult. Um, But we've been respectful because my parents are both high risk. Um, My mom's a cancer survivor. So that's one point against her, basically. Um, My dad claims that he's going to live to be like 103 years old. So he's going to say he leads his life by faith. And he very strongly believes in our old school traditional ways. And he's like, you know what, like, this isn't something that our people haven't overcome before. We'll continue being resilient and keep pushing forward. So, um, but still I'm like, all right, dad, let's chill a little bit. Let's be careful. Don't be going out to other people's houses, trying to hang out with everybody out on the res and stuff. So let's be careful. Um, and then also I have a younger sister who is a miracle in herself. She is almost 30 years old. She has severe cerebral palsy. So the common cold could kill her. So she's quarantined all the time anyways. So when this came about, we were really careful. We stayed away for maybe like the first month or two. And then eventually as my, my parents' mental health was like, we really need to see our grandkids, like bring them back. And so we waited for them to feel comfortable with that. We brought them back. But interesting that you bring up everybody being either laid off or furloughed, all these things. What people weren't expecting was this huge shift for mental health and our wellness. People didn't understand what it was meaning. Like first, everybody is excited. Like we're going to work from home. Awesome. I'm going to be able to just chill at home and work from my laptop and do everything virtually. This is going to be amazing. But we as human beings thrive on connectivity, being able to see other people face to face, being able to have conversations, being able to hug or hold hands with our loved ones, things like that. A lot of people took for granted before the pandemic. And then after it happened, after we're like six months in, nine months in, almost a year in, everybody's like, I just really miss people because that's who we are as human beings is we're supposed to connect with each other. Another interesting point you bring up is I think overall for men and especially indigenous men, it's a cultural barrier for our men to not talk about feelings or what they're going through. So when you got furloughed and you're at home and doing the thing, I'm sure that the stress eating or maybe the slight depression or anxiety eating or just boredom was because you weren't able to have spaces to be able to talk about this. And I mean this in general, not just specifically to you, Russell, but Mm -hmm. our men aren't able to talk about these things because we're told from a very young age, our native men are super stoic and strong. They don't show weakness or emotions and they rarely ever smile and God forbid if they laugh, but definitely do not cry. And it's a disservice to our men. It's not, it's not cool. And, you know, my, like I said, my dad is very much old school, traditional. He's very stoic. Um, He's the funniest one in the room. Nobody else can be funnier than him, Um, but it's generational. That's what he was taught. That's what's what he's mimicking. That's what he's gone through in his life is just being really serious. And he is one of these old wise guys out here that people will come to for guidance on certain things. But I told myself when I had my boys, I was like, you know what, I'm going to absolutely 110% always validate their feelings. And, you know, boys are boys. My boys will be annoyed with each other. They'll be irritated. They'll be angry. They'll be upset. They'll be sad. They'll, they'll get in their own heads about certain things. And, you know, I've done my best as their mom, because I can't teach them how to be a man, but I can definitely be a, a mom to them. And I've tried to validate, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to even be pissed off. But what are you going to do with that? Feel it, 
but what are we going to do with that? Let's shift that into something productive or something that we can do. If you want a timeout, if you just need some space just to think or feel it, do that. But when you're ready to do something, come see me and we can do something constructive about this. So that was what was really tough for in the middle of this pandemic, um, people getting furloughed, laid off, whatnot, is nobody was saying, okay, we need to talk about this. We need to have a conversation. We need to allow for our indigenous men to be able to speak what's on their hearts and what's on their minds during this difficult time. And so the other thing that you're talking about is um, people start relying really heavily on food because they're at home. And I do the same thing too. When I'm bored, I go check out my fridge. I'm like, girl, you did not go shopping. Ain't nothing gonna change in the past 20 minutes from when you just checked it. So what are you doing? Um, but as indigenous people, genetically, our bodies are not made to process refined sugars or alcohol because alcohol was another big thing for people was that they just started staying at home and drinking. They're having a glass of wine while they're on a Zoom meeting and nobody thought anything of it or the overall effects of what it was gonna do after months and months of doing this because we didn't, know if there is really any sort of end or deadline as to when we were all going to go back to the office and work from an actual building outside of our home. So some people don't take that into account is that genetically our bodies don't break down those refined sugars and they, it doesn't break down alcohol. That's why we see a lot of diabetes in, in our community and a lot of alcoholism and especially like drug addiction as well. So what was really important for me and a lot of my work during the pandemic, I was able to partner up with um, Jordan Daniel, who is the organizer and director of Rising Hearts. So we were able to teach from a virtual platform, all these different classes. So anywhere from like turn up or yoga or booty with Acacia Red Elk, uh, powwow yoga, all these different things. And even just sitting on Zoom and having conversations with other people, that's what she was able to uh, facilitate for a lot of us indigenous people. And it was really, really cool um, being able to meet people in, in a, a virtual space, but still feel like a connection and being able to build off of that. And I lost my train of thought. I was really going someplace with that. <laughs> Your laser focus look at me had me like, <laughs> oh man, I was going somewhere with that. But shout out to Jordan Daniel for all the work that she did during the pandemic and just keeping everybody active. But, oh, this is what it was. She asked us a really cool question was, what does decolonizing health and wellness mean to you? And, you know, if we think about it as a people, we are born into this world with an advantage and that being our culture. And so you think about it, we didn't have cars, we didn't have fast food, we didn't have refrigerators, we didn't have all this stuff. So I had to really reflect and think, what did our people do back in the day? And especially during like sicknesses, this isn't the first time our people have been hit by a sickness. And we, we figured out how to navigate through that. But taking it back to like our roots. So that means like hunting and fishing for your food. That means gathering and eating maybe more of those traditional foods that come from maybe your tribe. And then also we didn't drive everywhere. We would walk or we would ride or we would use nature to our advantage and having that at our fingertips, regardless of if you've been raised traditionally or if you're just being reintroduced to it, I strongly encourage everyone to look to their bloodline and i mean have you seen the new mortal combat um yeah yeah the new mortal combat so mm -hmm. the the guy that died at the beginning and he basically like damned himself to hell and he's like in hell waiting for his comeback or whatever and the, at the end of the movie when he meets his great 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 grandson 
the dopest line and I was like it hit me I'm like I don't think that's what this movie was supposed to be about like whoa but he looks at his grandson he's like take care of my bloodline mm-hmm. I'm like if that isn't like the most badass conversation that you could have because I, I looked at my husband I was like yo like how dope would it be to have like my great grandpa Charles Whirlwind look me dead in my eye and say take care of my bloodline that that carries a lot of weight that's like whoa like if I don't take care of it how it's supposed to be taken care of like we could go extinct like the ship entire bloodline could go extinct if I don't take care of it so I strongly encourage people to think in a in a sense like that especially indigenous people I mean we are who we are because of our strength and resiliency and our our outlook on life like that being able to go back to our culture and our, our traditional ways but yeah all those those points that you hit on there that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's a really great observation. Like, I, I remember that, but I didn't, like, look into that like you did. But, yeah, that's dope. Like, that's a dope line, you know, and it makes me think of, like, like protect the bloodline. And it goes back to we, have, as just indigenous people, like, we've been through so much, you know, and just on the borderline of being just exterminated, making us walk or killing you know killing our food source i was talking to uh the comeback society and one of the things that one of the hosts was saying like she used to be ashamed of like being a native american because there was all these stereotypes of alcoholism drug addiction all these horrible stereotypes you know that people would point out you know she she went to college or university and uh she had to learn about her people because she was she grew up in an urban setting so she didn't really know like the history and as she dove into like the history of people in canada and what they've all been through she was like you know now i understand you know i i can't be ashamed of that because look how strong we are look how resilient we are we went through all of that and we're still here you know, we've been pushed around and killed, murdered. I mean, it's just horrible things that we've gone through. Our, our ancestors have gone through, but we're still here. Like, we're still, like, fighting. Like, we're still here. And it's getting better. You know, we're all coming up on these platforms, you know, movies, podcasts, music. Like, I mean, we're all just coming up and, you know, we're spreading this these good vibes and, like, just everything, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just noticing it now through pod through being through starting this podcast, but I'm I'm seeing like a lot of great things coming from our people. And so, you know, I just wanted to continue, you know, and you bring up a lot of great points. Yeah, absolutely. Representation matters in every single field. And I think about 20 years ago, it was really hard for a lot of people, especially indigenous people. It was either like indigenous people or women. It was really hard to see us successful in any of these fields, whether it be politics or education or fitness or entertainment, anything like that. And I agree with you 110% is that our Indian people are on a come up. You're starting to see Netflix shows with Indians in it which was something that would have been unheard of like 20 years ago because we had smoke signals. That's what we had for a while. We had Dances with Wolves, which was still, you know, it it was focused around a white guy anyways, but it just kind of had, you know, that native background to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have podcasts. We have more podcasts where their um, indigenous people are leading them and talking about just the different issues that we face. And then even broadening the spectrum and being able to talk about just other things. And even personally for me, MMA, when I started 
almost 11 years ago, July will be 11 years. I was the only native person in it, in our area. Like it was, that was like my identifier. Whenever I would go to events, they're like, oh, that's an Indian girl. That's a native girl. And I'm like, very interesting. That's how I'm going to be described. Um, it won't be about my fighting style. It won't be about any of that. It's going to be the fact that I'm native. I love that I'm native and I totally embrace it 110%, but it was just interesting to me. Like, can we, can we normalize it a little bit more? Like how awesome and badass native people can really be. And so at the time, 11 years ago, I felt almost alone. I would go to certain gyms and they'd be like, Oh, there's a native girl. That's really cool. But now we have, uh, other indigenous females we have islanders that are coming up like in ufc or bellator and all these different promotions and it's starting to become more you know of a thing and it's really cool we have more guys that are native fighters that are coming up i think back in that time there was quite a few native guys that fought but for girls it was still a little interesting and i'm, I'm coming up on the time where cyborg was it cyborg was the shit she was it for women's mma and so it was it was a very interesting time but you know politics even we have deb howland now at the white house i mean how huge is that for our people for the department of interior i mean our homelands what we have an indigenous woman doing things like that and even runners world like you have jordan daniel and then her uh kind of like her protege i think it is is um what's her name felicia is it felicia it was another high school student that kind of looked up to jordan with the red handprint her name starts with an F. It's going to, I'm going to remember it as soon as we get off of here. But I mean, even representation in sports like that. I mean, how long have we gone where Indians are always just playing basketball? I mean, I played basketball. I played, I was on varsity all through high school. I played a little bit of collegiate ball, but like, there's got to be more to us than just basketball. I mean, I love me some Shoney and Jude Schimmel. They're awesome. They're badass. Like I've been friends with them since we were kids, but man, there's got to be more than basketball i have a cousin who was on america's next top model i mean that's another huge thing is having more native models doing all that so representation definitely matters and yeah i agree with you russell like we're we're on a come up and i think it's scaring some people because now we're having more of the really difficult controversial conversations of a lot of non-tribal people saying well when are you just going to let that go when are you just going to get over it? That was, that was your ancestors. And it wasn't, it wasn't my fault. It was maybe my ancestors that did all that stuff. And it's like, I will stop being upset about this when you're done benefiting from the actions of your ancestors. So can we have that conversation? And, you know, people are starting to talk about this and you have a lot more people from the white community that are wanting to understand like what it is for native people, like what our experiences are like. And um, this also leads as, as much good as we have on one side of the spectrum, there's always bad. There's always the assholes that are going to come in and say, you know, um, either they're going to be really big Trumpsters and they're going to be like good old boy system and back the blue sort of thing. And they're just going to look really ridiculous and be like, y'all just need to get over it. And, but to me, just like any of the celebrities would say, like any publicity is good publicity, whether it be good or bad. So if we're going to have the negative conversations, the controversial and heated conversations, I'm like, let's go for it. Let's have the conversation. Like that's, it's okay to me because it's bringing to light that you're threatened by the presence of indigenous people and that you're trying to say the things to diminish the successes and the accomplishments that my people have made anyways. So yeah, let's talk about it. Let's do that. 
So an, another good person um, that I've been able to work with and have conversations with, and even face some Facebook trolls with is Che Jim. And I mean, he's a, a comedian, he does a TikTok thing and his approach to it, he is so well-informed and educated, but he brings jokes to it as well. So we, we've had it out on Facebook with some people where he's just really fact factually based, but he's funny about it. Whereas I'm just like, can I just hit somebody now? Can I just see them in person? Or is this kid probably just like in his mom's basement somewhere where we're never going to be able to like do this? But you know, it's, it's amazing. We're, we're coming up and representation all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. Don't feed the trolls, Cola. Can't help it. They're probably <laughs> starving know. under those bridges. I don't know. I've seen a couple movies. I've seen a couple movies. Oh my God, man. It's, it's, it's pretty bad over here. I remember, um, well, like you bring up like, um, everybody's becoming aware of, um, like these problems, you know, that are coming up with uh, indigenous people in our communities and everything. And one thing here that's like people are on the fence about are like the native mascots. And so we got a high school here that's called the Redskins. And what was it last summer? Might've been last summer. I forgot when, but anyways, that school was asking like, should we change our name? And so it, man, it was just big, like comment section of like, it was more of like people saying no, no, because you know, that's our history. That's, uh, that's what, that's what we've always known them as, you know, the Redskins. And so, you know, I got on there and I'm like, do you even know what that word means? Like, do you know how dehumanizing that word means? And to even have like us me as your fucking mascot like i'm not no fucking mascot dude like i'm not like i'm not this like picture like the the cleveland indian you know the with the big smiley face cheesy cheeks and all that shit like red skin i'm not that like yo like that's not us so like do you even know what that means you know and i i explain like what it meant you know to pretty much kill us for money you know take our scalps and all that and so oh yeah whatever you know get over it. it's the same shit like get over it you know like that doesn't mean anything now you know it's 2020 or 21 whenever it was and i'm like yeah but still like that's that's so like fucked up like 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 you guys got mad when um did you see that oh god i can't remember his name but he wore a caucasian shirt he wore it on uh i think espn or something he wore a Caucasian shirt and it was like the logo for the Cleveland Indians, but it was a, you know, a white dude with like a money sign on him. And it said Caucasians. He wore that and people got so outraged demanding him to be like boycotted. And I was like, bro, it's the same thing. Like, I don't understand like how that's so different from this. Like, like, why is that? So why, why is it so accepting to dehumanize us? You know, and then when he's like wearing that to make a point, because I think some indigenous person made that shirt. So he was supporting it. And so why is that so different? Like you guys, you guys get your way on that. But it's like, yo, like, can you just see it from our point of view? Like, I mean, you kind of are if it's, you know, put right in front of your face like that. Like, that's how we feel. Like, <laughs> like, I don't understand, you know, 
so it, it's crazy like that's how it is down here though you know and it's it's a it's a fight that we always have to put up with i remember when that whole thing came up which was that movement um I have a lot of other advocate, like advocate friends that have been pushing that one to get rid of all the mascots. And I've been seeing the posts on social media, of which ones have gotten eliminated and which ones they still need to get done with. And, you know, I being completely honest, I didn't really get into that conversation a whole lot, but I definitely understand where you're coming from because we don't want to be perceived as these cartoons. And I think it's really important for non-indigenous people to understand is that we're still here like we're we're not a costume we're not in the history books we're not this really ugly poorly drawn mascot if you really take a look at our culture you'll see how beautiful it is and why these tacky things that are happening are really just humiliating not just for our culture but for the person that's wearing that because that's a really far reach to try Mm. to, to to try to dress up in some type of way and you know the way, the way you talk about it, it sparks this emotion for me is that's how I felt about the word savage. Oh, yeah. And I had a really controversial post because I did it on TikTok and then I posted my Instagram. You know, I had a bunch of natives coming at me like, well, I use the word because of this. I'm like, oh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't use the word. I'm just saying that white people or like anyone else should be using that word. Um like trying to say, oh, my workout was so savage or I have this attitude that I'm so savage. It's like, do you understand like that is actually still in a government document describing my people? And I I had to like bring it to light to a lot of people. I'm like, merciless Indian savage is still in the Declaration of Independence. If you did not know that, like, let me show you exactly where. And so it was more directed towards non-native people. Like stop using this word, thinking that you're cool. And it was more towards like, other native people yeah we should be able to redirect on our definition of what this word is supposed to mean just like for the black community with the n-word and i had another conversation um with a woman that came onto my podcast during uh, black history month and she started talking about the comparison between how natives get kind of annoyed when white people want to use the word savage but for her it was beast so a lot of people in the workouts would be like i went beast mode or i'm totally beast she's like that's how they describe my people on those ships they saw us as livestock so she brought that to light for me because I was like I'll be honest I have used that word in that way she's like yeah so the definition for that word why people used it that way was because they were like I'm like all out I'm strong I'm fast sort of thing she's like because my people were seen as livestock being brought over on those ships she's like and that's not what we are so it was a really interesting conversation there and with it being so controversial there were some native people that like wanted to I'm like, yo, if we're going to have the conversation, let's have the conversation. I had people posting about my video. I'm like, just tag me in it. Let's have the convo. I'm not saying you shouldn't use the word, but let's educate and inform people why it's not okay for them to use that word. And let's, let's make sure that we're being really honest about why this conversation came up. And so that's how I felt about that word. It's almost kind of the same where people are really upset about the mascot use. And another thing you're bringing up is, uh, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I'm actually part Ponca. Are you? Yeah. Oh, cool. So if you have any local listeners, like in Oklahoma, um, my biological mother's family is the Blueback um, family. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. from what I hear, it's a pretty, like a, a well-known name out there. I don't know if it's good or bad. I really don't. That's why I'm like kind of <laughs> iffy when I tell people, I'm like, 
is it good? Like, <laughs> I don't know them if they, if it's not good. I, I don't know that side of my family, but yeah, I'm actually part Ponca. It's on my CID, my official enrollment paperwork it says Ponca. So got that little bit in there. I know Ponca's, but like, I don't know, like what would, what was the last name? Blueback. Blueback. I don't know any Bluebacks. Yeah, I'm not even sure where the Ponca reservation would be located in Oklahoma. That's how much knowledge I have about the state of Oklahoma or any tribes. I guess for me, it'd be an easy comparison trying to tell you, like, I'm Umatilla, not Warm Springs. And then people from Oregon would be like, oh, Warm Springs is Central Oregon, Umatilla is Eastern Oregon. So I would assume that other states have the same thing where there's like certain regions with certain tribes. So that, so I would assume Pawnee is somewhere and then Ponca is somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. These are specific people. <laughs> <laughs> but on my paperwork, because you have to list your blood quantum, that's a whole nother conversation. But you have to list like your your bloodline and your lineage. So it has me as like, I don't know, like half Umatilla, Cayuse, Walla Walla. And then it has me like a, maybe like an eighth Ponca. And then oh, I'm also like gotcha. an eighth Samoan. So it lists like my, my bloodline on my 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 certificate of Indian blood it makes me official so the government can track me so yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I like how um people are starting to wake up against uh, CDIBs too you know that's a it's a crazy thing you know that we have to do that in order to you know you don't even know like are they accurate or I don't even freaking know I heard that what was it I might be butchering it please don't get mad everybody. The Dawes Rose, I think. Dawes Rose. So basically, it was like this guy that was pulling. God, should have read this. Creeks. I want to say Creeks. But he was pulling them aside and he was just basically saying, Oh, well, you look full blood. Oh, well, you look half. Oh, you look a quarter. Just by how they look. Like, and then just saying, Yeah, this is this is what you are, and this is how much creek you are, or whatever. So that's it. And so that was like, damn it. I have to ask my friend George again, but he was the one that was talking about that. And uh, I caught like a little bit of it and it was really interesting. And I was like, so basically is that how they all win? I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure. So now we're all like, like you still got the old schools that are like, yeah, you know, full blood, you know, I got my CDIB. If you're not CDIB, you know, you're not native or something, you know? And it's so like, it's so I I have a different thought of that. It's like, no, like that you I guess I don't know like how all that came about was with the CDIBs and all that. So it's great. It's that's a that's a crazy conversation too. Yeah. I mean, that would be a really crappy system because anybody looks at me, they're kind of like, You are native, you're you're native. Cause I'm soup, I'm I'm a light skinned native. And if we have any like non-indigenous listeners, it's like, yes, there's a difference between a dark skinned native and a light skinned native. So like there's there's two different things. If I were to get my husband in here stand next to me, I definitely don't look as native as he does because he's really, really dark. Um, but that would be a really crappy system to base it off of. But yeah, I think it was our tribe. I can't remember if it was ours or Warm Springs or Yakima. Um, but a long time ago, the way that they used to do their enrollment was that you had to be able to recite your family, like your lineage. You had to be able to go back a certain amount of generations on your mom's side and then on your dad's side to prove that, yes, this is your background. This is your bloodline. This is who you are. And then they eventually started getting to a point of they just need to have proof, like birth certificate sort of thing. 
And that's how we base a lot of our enrollment stuff now. And locally for our tribe, you have to be able to prove that you're one quarter um, any native to be enrolled in our tribe. So you have to be at least one quarter, be able to prove one quarter of your bloodline, which is, you know, a really, it's tough. Um, so I just started coming out a little bit more publicly about this. Um, a lot of people locally know already that I'm adopted. Um, biologically, I was adopted by my great uncle. So I'm still in my family. There's two branches of our family, Shippen Towers and Watchmans. Um, my bloodline comes from the Watchman side. And then my dad adopted me who was from the Shippen Tower side. So that's how I get that last name. But because I, I didn't for a very long time until about two and a half years ago, I didn't know who my biological dad was. Saddest story on the res, I know. But found out who my biological dad is. And, you know, the motivation behind that is because I have my three boys. So my oldest son, his dad is Yakima. So we were able to get him enrolled. And then my middle son, his dad is non-Indigenous. He's actually half black, half white. And then our youngest is um, his dad's Yamatilla. So we're easily able to get my oldest and my youngest enrolled. My middle one couldn't get enrolled because um, his dad's not native. And I couldn't prove one side, one branch of my bloodline to get him enrolled, which is really frustrating. And then after getting all the paperwork done, tests done and everything, I was able to prove that. But it's really frustrating because it's like, I have a lot of friends as well that, that go into this, um, can get in on this conversation of my son, regardless of the fact that he's not enrolled, is being raised the traditional ways. He knows his culture. He knows his people. He is in this community. And he knows what we do when we go hunt. He knows what it's like to be at the longhouse. He knows how to dress himself self up in his regalia. And he knows all these things. But what is really shitty for some of our people is that they can be living this life, this culturally based life, and be told, you're not Indian enough. You can't get enrolled, which is dumb, which is absolutely dumb. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I've heard that. Like I've heard older people say that to other people like, Oh, well, you know, you might know all this, but if you don't have that CDIB, you're not enrolled, then, you know, I guess you're not native. And then it goes back to like, yo, yeah, but you know, they, they grew up in this community, you know, and that's their parents and they can't get enrolled or whatever, but they could they're still learning their language you know they're still um dancing they're still singing you know around a drum or you know they're just doing things that you know that that tribe is about you know and it sucks that does suck to hear that a person say that like you know well you know you're not enrolled so yeah you're not you're not this tribe you're not native at all and it's like that's it, just like another thing of like a thing of the past a thing of the past you know, like you were saying earlier about um, showing emotion, you know, and I mean, it goes for men and women, you know, like, because there's women that hear the same thing, like, be strong, don't cry, don't show this, don't show that. And it's like, and for yeah, it goes for everybody. It's like, like, we're sad, too. Like, I want to cry. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to mourn, you know, I want to, I want to hate that this person was taken from me, you know, let me, let me feel this. Let me be in a moment, you know, and I'm learning that, you know, I, I've talked about this on recent podcasts about learning this because man, I used to hold everything in my grandma passed away. That was like my first actual having somebody I love die. And I was like nine when she passed away. 
and I like, and I always remember, you know, like just the older folks, like, oh, you can't cry, like, don't show emotion, you know, be strong for everybody. But it's like, I'm sad. Like, I loved her. Like, that was my best friend, you know, that was, man, we were the duo, you know, and everybody knew that. And it was like, like, I want to cry. And so, like, from then on, you know, when things would happen, I'd keep everything in, no matter what it was, like people dying, you know, um, friends like hurt, like I feel hurt from friends, you know, that hurt me or breakups or, you know, just all these things that make you go through these like um, emo- different emotions and sad emotions and just, and it's a horrible way to live, you know, keeping all that shit in, you know, and it's really awful, you know, because God, like you just want to tell somebody how you're feeling but you don't but growing up like that it's like you don't want to put it on them and bore them with your problems or the way you're feeling or something you know and that's the way I felt like I didn't want to tell nobody how I was feeling because I didn't know how they would take it like I didn't know like if they would say yeah well you know that sucks so suck it up you know I I didn't want to hear that shit so but, you know, recently, like maybe three years, three years, two years, whatever, you know, I'm, you know, I'm showing like I'm talking about everything. I'm letting everything out. I'm crying, you know, I'm crying and I'm not afraid to cry. I don't give a fuck, you know, like I'm crying, you know, I'm crying like and I'm talking and just telling everybody how I feel. And this podcast helps with that, too. Like, I want everybody to know, like, you don't have to be strong. Like, yeah, be strong, but, you know, you don't have to always be like that, you know, cry, let loose, show your emotions, you know, find somebody to talk to, you know, maybe, maybe that person's holding it in too. Maybe y'all can just talk it out and cry and have, you know, let it out, like, let it out. Like, and it's just that, like, for me, it was like a toxic masculinity that is to be forgotten about, you know? So I, I like that point you bring up too, when you're talking about that earlier. You know, it's really interesting is all too often we connect and tie vulnerability to like sadness or the crying emotions, the one that really show that. But there's this other side of the spectrum where there's some individuals that have a hard time showing when they're happy. And that was me for a really, really long time. I felt the need to look stoic and not overly excited about anything and not to, I, a lot of us Indian girls get this where we could be walking down the street or walking like through a building and have people be like, smile. You need to smile more. I'm like, excuse me, my face was resting. Like, calm down. But that was me. I, I had a really hard time showing my emotions through my face because I was being raised by a man who was very stoic in his emotions and did his face didn't really change. Like, yeah, he would smile every once in a while. But growing up with that and then doing that as an adult, and just being keeping very straight face. And I often catch myself doing every now and then deep in thought. I have my my RBF going and people will be like, it's really hard to read you sometimes. I'm like, well, that's the point. Like you shouldn't always be knowing what I'm thinking. Um, but, you know, I think uh, vulnerability is going to be, a, have different definitions for different people. It might be showing when you're really sad or really, really, really angry, or my be letting your guard down when you're really, really happy or when you're really, really excited. Or it could be when you're really, really upset, angry, and mad. 
because it just depends on people's backgrounds like what what emotion was it that they were always feeling like they had to hide from other people and then also I don't think it needs to be too much on like a, a public display with everyone I think there's power and there's strength and being able to choose who you get to be vulnerable with I mean I've, I've definitely broken down like in the middle of a speaking engagement and just started tearing up and crying especially when it comes to the MMIR movement like that's really close to my heart so a lot of times it it's uncontrollable but I think there's something sacred with being able to share specific emotions with specific people. I have lots of friends in my life and one conversation I can have with my best friend, Jessica, I can't have with maybe my best friend, Joe or vice versa. And so it's really important. I think for people and the listeners is to maybe navigate through that. Think about that. Is it the fact that you're wanting to show a specific emotion, whether it be crying or sadness or showing your excitement or happiness or anger or rage or things like that and then is there maybe baby steps of a person that's close to you in your life that you know that you can share that emotion with um so that that's the other part of that is vulnerability was a really big word for me in 2020 because of this group that I'm a part of called the turnip squad and a lot of times the girls kept saying, I just don't know if I could be so vulnerable with you guys. And they thought that almost every meeting we had to have was everybody need to cry at some point. And I'm like, I don't think that's what vulnerability really should be. This is my own definition of it. But girl, if you're excited, show your excitement. If you're proud of yourself, be proud of yourself. Like this should be that space. You should feel like you can do that. But, you know, it's it's individualistic to each person. So that's just a little branch off from that, that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was the same way, too. Not just with sadness, but happiness, being excited, um, just having this thought of um, what people would think about how excited I was about something or showing I'm really happy about something or just I don't know. It was just a stupid thing in my head of like always thinking about what somebody was going to think of me, you know, and it was. I don't know why. I don't know why. I have no idea why I thought like that. Maybe it was every, my peers growing up. You know, maybe it was maybe maybe I did show something at some time and I was talked about or made fun of or, you know, teased or something. You know, I mean, maybe maybe it was that and it changed me or something to where I was just trying to be a normal guy that just <laughs> walked around with the stoic face and just didn't show any kind of emotion whatsoever. So I have no idea. but. But now it's like, I want to show all these, like, I want to show how happy I am. I want to show how excited I am. Like every podcast I do, and I'm so excited to show everybody. I'm so excited to share it. I want people to listen. I want people to get something from it. Like, I just, like, I just want to spread like positivity around everywhere. Like, I just want to have these conversations with people and hear them and have knowledge dropped on me because it's like a really great, like time to have or to get to connect with everybody you know i never thought i'd be doing this so i mean it's really great and like i'm just at the point now where like i don't care what people think i don't care like what what they have to say about me love me or hate me you know i'm just gonna keep doing what i do because you know i I have no control of anything so i'm just gonna this makes me happy it's helping my mental health so i hope that people can get something from any of the episodes I've done. I mean, it's a, it's a really great journey, you know, that I've been on and just here talking to you, like it's amazing. <laughs> you know, this is, 
a really awesome podcast because I did go back and I listened to some of the other episodes. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. It literally is just being able to have like a conversation with somebody. And it's the the points that you brought up in that are all really interesting and valid. And something that kind of struck a chord with me is that this lesson that I've been taught by my eight-year-old Simon is that boy has no problem wearing his heart on his sleeve. You won't ever have to question how he's feeling. When he's happy, he's super happy and he shows it on his face and his expressions, how he talks. But also when he's pissed off, like you're going to know it. And he's not afraid to let people know. He doesn't care who's around him. Like he's going to let people know that he's mad. And of course we have to kind of talk about these boundaries of like, okay, if someone doesn't want to play with you, that's okay that they don't want to play with you. Let's just do something on our own or you still need to be respectful to your parents and your grandparents so we can't go all out all the time but a lot of times I was like I was trying to put a a lid on it like a cap on it like you need to behave a certain way and then I caught myself doing exactly what our people have done for so long which was like act a certain way make sure you keep the certain representation about you and I'm like wait a minute this kid is doing the most what we're all trying to get to which is being completely open with ourselves and our emotions and being unapologetically yourself. And that was something that I learned this past year. And, you know, a lot of people started noticing the shift on my social media. They're like, there's just this, this weird glow. There's this confidence what's going on. And, you know, it was taking the combination of the lessons that my boys have taught me. And my oldest has done this time and time again, which, um, you know, my, my last MMA fight I had, it was a loss. And I was so upset because my motivation going into that cage is like when I have to call my boys, I have to tell them that I won. Otherwise, I just wasted a six-week camp, late nights, time away from them, not being able to take them out to go eat at places that they want to go to. Like, I can't tell them that I've lost. In my last MMA fight, I did lose. And so I had to make the call. And my oldest son was like, okay, so you just go back to training, right? And it was like, holy cow. Like, you just are telling me how to like brush this off and like keep going like you guys are nuts with all your lessons that you're teaching me but it's between the lessons that my sons have taught me my family has taught me and then finding this new class that I've been teaching this format and this group of strong empowering women and being able to say you know what I am going to be unapologetically me for the rest of my life and how other people's perceive how other people perceive me is none of my damn business and that's okay if they like me, they like me. If they don't, they don't. It's cool. Because mm-hmm. in the same respect, I can I can turn around and say, I don't like you either sort of thing. But then it was also this thought that had come to my mind of the world does not owe us a goddamn thing. It really doesn't. But we don't owe the world anything either. But it's finding that mutual respect and that thought that what we do is ultimately for how we feel about ourselves how we love ourselves, how we show up for ourselves, and how we're going to support ourselves so that we can pour into others. And then we're talking about emotions. It gets really, really tough, especially in pandemics and doing things like this is I, I feel like I'm doing my best to remind people. It's just like a jar. If you're trying to fill it up with sand and rocks and water, trying to fill up all the little itty bitty spaces, you have to remember that if you don't have anywhere else to put all of that, that jar is going to explode. And if you think about that in real life, that can look like drug addiction, alcoholism, um, suicide, depression, anxiety, all these different things, is that's what it looks like when the jar finally bursts. So being able to talk about it, like a platform like this, Russell, is really amazing because you're able to have conversations with other people. But in the same respect, you, you got to understand you, you're opening this up for 
other people to be able to have some place to connect. Like I'm like 110% positive. They're gaining so much from being able to be asked to be on a platform like this and being able to have the conversation and space to talk about what's on their hearts. And that's amazing too. I mean, it's a whole ripple effect that you've got going on here. And it's, it's awesome. It's really badass, man. Man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh man. That means a lot. Like, and I'm so glad to hear that. When I first started the podcast, people were like, well, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to, what's your topic? Like, well, you need something to talk about for however long you're going to go. And I was like, I just like conversation. Like, I just like having somebody there with me. And we just talk about things that whatever comes up, you know, like, like, like this, like this was not planned. So we're just talking, you know, and we're bringing up all these like interesting topics and, and it, it just gives a, give somebody the the opportunity to kind of be like a fly on the wall to hear us talk about these things and you know maybe they're thinking the same thing or maybe they're feeling the exact same way and they don't know how to bring it up or how to speak about it and you know maybe this will give them like some kind of light as to like like emotion like like what you just said about the jar and the rocks like that's a really great um image you know i was thinking about that i was like yeah like like you fill up his jar of rocks, you know, and there's like all like it's just filled up and yeah, it's going to fucking bust all all one day, you know, and you that could be like me like today, like had I still held stuff in, you know, never got it out. You know, I could probably come home today, not doing this podcast, come home today and just cry, like get on my knees and just break down and cry like that would be the jar busting. That's what I want people to, you know, listen, you know, and just think like Cole and Russ are talking about this so like you know I've been holding the stuff in too like maybe it's time for me to change or you know be like be go be great and you bring up your kids like we could learn so much from kids you know we can learn so much from kids like like just the things they talk about like I want to do this when I grow up you know I want to be a singer you know not just like these jobs like doctor lawyers i mean there's some kids that say that but you know the kids that say like i want to go to space you know i want to i want to do these like things that people think aren't possible you know but you could learn so much from kids you know and and you want to encourage that you know i know when i have kids and they say something like that i'm gonna say yes you can you can do that you can do whatever you want you know put your mind to it and if you fall out of love love with it for something else that's fine too you know, like, don't worry about what you're going to be like when you go to college, because I'm sure everybody's college experience is the same. You have no idea what you're going to do. Some people do. But like me, when I went, I had no idea what I was going to do. And people and there's other people that I've had on the podcast where they're like, yeah, I go to college and I wanted to do this. But I just I was there for three years and I didn't want to do it anymore. So I had to change my major. So. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, people can learn and talk about. And I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You know, the conversations that I'm having and I, man, I just enjoy it. Like I enjoy listening to you. It's, 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 it's a really great opportunity that I have. And I'm so glad, you know, everybody's so like willing to come on and just talk, you know, it's awesome. It's such an awesome thing. Well, us Indians, we can talk for a long, long time. So that's what it is. (laughs) Uh, like always, you know, <laughs> so what do you, uh, you got any, uh, you got any plans? Like, I mean, like, you know, you, when, when was your last fight? 
my last fight was in November of 2019. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, I haven't talked <laughs> about it too much, but some things have come up for uh, my fighting career. And Russell's laughing because my son Simon is standing behind me and we're on Zoom. So he's peeking back and forth. Um, I think my boys are really like surprised with the level of sophistication and technology nowadays. So there's like YouTube videos that'll pop up and it's almost like this PTSD response of like, can they see me? Do they know what I'm like? It's YouTube. Calm down. Like they can't see you, but, um, fighting wise, it's, you know, I got, I got some things in the works. I've had some people reach out to me. Um, and I, I don't know. I leave that in creator's hands. Uh, MMA is a very, very selfish and difficult sport. Um, for anyone that thinks that MMA people is just this glamorous life of just going to the gym and working out when you have a family, it's really not like that. It's, uh, long days, long nights at the gym. It's time spent with your teammates and your coaches and less with your kids or with your significant other. Um, it's going to be like birthday parties, holidays, barbecues, totally tamed down because you don't want to be too, um, tempted to indulge in like regular food, things like that. So it's, one of those sports that I have to like really sit and reflect on and think like, is this going to be good for me? Is it going to be good for my kids? And also weight cuts are not a fun thing. So I usually try to avoid those the best that I can. Cause I've been through way too many. I've gotten sick way too many times and had some scary experiences with that. So MMA is kind of, I I'll just leave it at that. It's kind of like things, things are being talked about, but nothing's official. Um, jiu-jitsu I am actually going to be competing on the 23rd of May at uh, Hustle and Heart Jiu-Jitsu over in Springfield Oregon we have a four-woman bracket going on it's actually a pretty dope uh, setup because it's completely virtual where people can watch of course the rolling is not virtual that'd be really really weird Um, that'd be the the key definition or the definition of keyboard warriors we'd be like trying to type out our responses to each other's submissions and stuff. but no yeah <laughs> But no, like we're, we're there in person rolling, but it's on Twitch so people can watch. They don't have to be at the event, which um, jujitsu is on this huge come up. Everybody's like, why are they just rolling around on the ground? Why aren't they hitting each other? But jujitsu is like a whole sport in itself. It's completely separate from MMA because again, you're taking out the striking and you're just focusing on grappling, which it is a true chess match. But um, May 23rd this month, and then I'm also competing next month in IBJJF, which is the huge like international, pr- like promotion event everyone wants to be a part of it if you train in a gi and you're really traditional in your art and your practice so that's a really big deal and then also in grappling industries which is another competition that's like tournament style where you have more competitors there so i'm doing that and then i'll just keep up with my group fitness training um you know i i took a stab at powerlifting a few years back and i've been debating on whether or not i want to get back into it but what a lot of people didn't know was last year I actually dipped my toe in the water for physique and bodybuilding because I love lifting. That's mine. My husband's connection is lifting. I played, I didn't know how to lift to get him to teach me how to lift. But um, so that's our connection. And, you know, I had a lot of people saying, you know, you build muscle kind of different and you might be able to do the physique thing. So we looked for a couple of different coaches. And this year I've actually started springing off into possibly um, going back into that it's, it's just very different because I've been so used to lose, lose, lose weight, keep your weight down to eat all this food, lift all this weight and make your muscles bigger 
and look better basically so it's it's very different so kind of got things like that going on and my nonprofit organization um, enough is enough uh, we have our podcast that we host I do um, all the recording and the editing for all of that so um, other things that we have in the works is the advocacy work that we do with MMIR and just this year I launched our safety training the Wisouts a project so I do that um, I have a lot of platforms that I've done virtual trainings for and being able to meet with lots of people in like a group setting but I also do individual consultation on that as well it's a it's a very personalized catered plan and it can be kind of hard for some people you know I've worked with um, groups that were coming from um, like abusive relationships they might be sexual assault survivors or they might be doing really heavy work with MMIR stuff so it gets a little intense in some of that, but you know, these are the conversations that need to be had because um, no, no one out there is there to save us. I mean, as indigenous people, we face that multiple times and um, all BIPOC people have faced that when we're supposed to be able to call in law enforcement and nothing happens, it gets really frustrating. So um, it, it's a harsh reality and it really sucks. But the thing is that when it comes to our safety and returning home, it's up to us and we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of our loved ones and our kids. So um, that's a training that I've been taking on uh, full force since the beginning of the year. So my overall goal is to get that PDF, which is available on my Instagram um, link on my page is to get that PDF into 5,000 individuals hands. So and then my most recent news, I haven't even posted about this, so you'll be the first to know, is uh, Runner's World Magazine actually just published an article about the Wisalza Project and the work that I've been doing um, today. So I'm going to be posting later on about that. People can catch the link to that article in my bio on Instagram as well. So, you know, just staying busy. Oh, and then I, I, I go back to school in the fall. So let's just add that on top of there. Wow, Cola. That's awesome. Man, you're doing all this great. You're doing all this good stuff. Yeah, a lot wow. of people didn't know that when I, after my last fight and then really jumping into my jiu-jitsu career and let me see what else was going around around that time. Oh, powerlifting. When I was going to competitions for powerlifting, I was actually working on my business degree. So I, I got my business degree um, spring of 2020, took off a year and with my sexual harassment case that happened last year summer my lawyer was like you know you basically did my job for me right and I'm like what do you mean he's like you put together all the documents you put everything together he's like you came up with a list of questions when we were in court like he's like, I was pretty much just the face of the stuff that you're putting out there he's like you really need to be getting into like pre-law and law school and I'm like I still want to go into law enforcement though he's like you totally could but if you're still like in this debacle for this sexual harassment case consider going back to school for pre-law so um just gonna try it out and see how it goes we'll see if that's what i'm what i'm missing i guess i don't know very mm -hmm. much enneagram three if you haven't done the enneagram personality test yet do it it's the enneagram you can find it you can google it but i'm very much a three which is the achiever which means like our validation is very much in uh, respect and getting things done accomplishments and basically the high fives that sort of thing that's my personality but then I, you also have what's called a wing so it's either the personality above you or below you so the other side of it is a helper like the wing helper which means that's probably where like my group fitness stuff comes from my advocacy work comes from is wanting to help those around me so if you're ever interested in that do it it's really really interesting yeah send me that i'll 
I'll check it out. I love talking to you. I love getting to know you. I love meeting you. And man, like I, I've learned so much more about you, you know, because I see your posts and everything. I see you doing uh, the fitness classes. And then I, I knew uh, you did MMA and jujitsu, you know, but I didn't know, you know, you had so many other things going on. And, you know, I hope I hope nothing but the best for you. I hope nothing but great things, you know, and success, continued success for everything, you know, school, you know, getting back in the cage, jiu-jitsu, um, uh, what else, uh, with your podcast, you know, and I'm, I'm so, I'm so, you know, stoked that I got to meet you, you know, and, and get to talk to you, have this conversation. And um, so just thank you once again for coming on. Thank you so much. And you're welcome back anytime, anytime you want to come back on and just have a chat, you know, we'll talk about anything, you know, any, and if you have something else going on, you know, get the word out, you know, so you're welcome back anytime, you know, and I look forward, you know, to having you back on. So, and if you want to shout out your uh, social, how to follow you and keep up with you and everything. Yeah, absolutely. And Russell, thank you again so much. Uh, I feel really blessed with this opportunity to be able to come on here. It's always really interesting if you if you host your own podcast to be interviewed on another person's podcast. It's 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 interesting and yeah. it's a unique experience. And it, it was it's been a lot of fun and being able to have this conversation, have it really flow freely and a really organic conversation is really important there so um thank you again and yeah if any of our listeners want to follow me i am on instagram at cola shipping tower that's cola with a k um i am on facebook but i think i'm reaching my max on friend requests so i don't always respond on there but um it, it is public you all can see what i'm up to on there if you ever want to catch any more virtual trainings or any of the classes that i'm able to do and hold virtually any of my competitions things that i have coming up i'm I'm really good about posting on social media. Um, also check out the link in my bio on Instagram. It has all the different events or even the Wisauta Project PDF. It's available. It's absolutely free. The only thing that I ask is when you go there to download it, make two copies, one for yourself and one for a loved one. So we can get this out there and make sure that everyone returns home. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got going on. So thank you so much again, Russell. This has been an awesome experience and I really hope our, your listeners were able to catch something. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, and uh, do you got any like jujitsu or MMA fights on YouTube or anything people can watch? I do have quite a few um, videos on YouTube, all the different promotions, some other people posted them. So if you just go into YouTube, type Cola Shipping Tower, got quite a few that'll pop up there for you. I believe King of the Cage and another promotion, um, Sparta Combat is on there. So yeah, just take a look at YouTube. There, there should be some on there. Awesome. We heard that, everybody. Go follow Cola. Keep up with her. She's a great person. And she's doing a lot of great things. Go check out her fights on YouTube and just keep up with her. You know, she's man, she's just doing a lot of great things in our community and for her community, just everywhere, just everywhere in general, you know, just keep up with her. And uh, if you're not, oh, and check out her podcast. Enough is enough. Uh, is that on all platforms? Currently, we are only on Spotify, but it's yep, it's on Spotify under enough is enough is is spelled with a Z. Very unique, but. Okay, yep. cool. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go follow it as soon as I get off here and uh listen to it. And so, yeah, everybody go check out our podcast on Spotify. Enough is enough. The I Z. So, you heard it here. Um if you're not already subscribed to Oki Podcast, please do that on all platforms. Subscribe, rate, review. 
Uh, go follow the Okie Podcast Facebook page and Instagram page. My personal is Russell Sun Eagle. You can add me. I'll add you back. Talk to me, whatever. I'm there to talk. And yeah, yeah. Uh, enough is enough. Go rate, review, follow, like that podcast on Spotify as well. It helps so much, you know, with our podcast and what we're trying to do. And so thank you, Cola. Once again, I'm so appreciative that you came on. And uh, until next time, everybody, peace.